little bit. Can I say a little bit? Just a little bit. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, beginning at verse 20. Luke 17, verse 20. It says, now having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. So think about their, their paradigm. They're expecting that the kingdom that Jesus has preached about, that it's literally going to show up. So they're expecting a literal kingdom where he is enthroned as the king, as the emperor, as the governing force. And they want to know what day is it going to show up. That's what they're asking. So Jesus replies, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed or with a visible display. In other words, you won't ever be able to see it. Nor will people say, look, here it is, or there it is, for the kingdom of God is among you because of my presence. Now, that's what he said in the Amplified. The kingdom of God is among you because of my presence. In the King James, it says the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, the time will come when you will long to see even one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look, the Messiah is there, or look, he is here. Do not go away to see him and do not run after them. For just like the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky and gives light to the other part of the sky, so visible will the Son of Man be in his day. So when he comes, you will see him. You won't, it won't be a, a guest who's coming to dinner kind of ordeal. They won't say Jesus showed up in China and we all trying to catch a flight to China. He says, as visible as the lightning is when it flashes in one area of the sky and lights up the other sky, that's what it's going to be when the Son of Man appears. But he must first suffer many things and be repudiated and rejected and considered unfit to be the Messiah by this unbelieving generation. So imagine Jesus is walking on the earth and he's only bringing the message of salvation to people and they would not believe. As it just, and just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the time of the second coming of the Son of Man. The people were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage. They were indifferent to God until the day Noah went into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So in other words, they didn't believe it until catastrophe hit. They didn't believe the message until destruction came knocking at their door. It was the same as it was in the days of Lot. People were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building, carrying on business as usual without any regard for their sins. But on the very day that Lot left Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone, burning sulfur from heaven, and destroyed them all. It will be just the same. Listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. Prophetically, it will be just the same on the day the Son of Man is revealed. So in the generation before he returns... It's going to be just like in the days of Noah. It's going to be just like in the days of Lot, where people are going to turn a deaf ear to the reality that destruction is about to strike. And they won't even be aware of the fact that their eternity is about to knock on their door and they're going to be forever separated with God. Now, the power 
in Noah's day and Lot's day was that if they believed the promise that was to come, when the Lord Jesus died and was resurrected, they were retroactively saved. So that's why the Bible tells us that when he went into hell, he led captivity captive and he took all of those souls that were out of hell, the, which was literally the holding place of the dead. He took all of those souls out and by resurrection power lifted them up with him. The Bible says in the Gospels that many that were dead was returned back to life and they saw them walking around the city. Now imagine that. You walking by Evergreen Cemetery on the boulevard and the graves are opening up. That's how much resurrection power was released when he got up that people that died believing on the promise were resurrected and raised back to life. But in this generation, when the coming of the Son of Man is Elder Warren, you won't have the opportunity because you have to accept him before you cross over. That's the difference. So what we think was God not being merciful by opening up the ground and swallowing millions of people at a time was his mercy because he knew that even in hell they would have a chance to come back to life. But in our generation, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you got to settle the case before you cross over because you won't have another chance. So he said that before the Son of Man, before the day of the Son of Man, it's going to be like in the days of Noah, it's going to be like in the days of Lot, that people are going to be going about their lives with business as usual. They're going to be indifferent to God. They're not going to think about their sins. They're not going to think about the things that they need to repent of. Listen. He said, on that day, the day he appears, whoever is on the housetop with his belongings in the house must not come down and go inside to take them out. And likewise, whoever is in the field, they must not turn back. Remember, what happened to Lot's wife when she looked back? We know she got turned into a pillar of salt. Whoever seeks, listen to this. I want y'all to hear it because in my study and prayer, this was emphatic in my spirit. Whoever seeks to save his life will eventually lose it through death. And whoever loses his life in this world will keep it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. This is Jesus Christ talking. If you got one of them old Bibles, it's in red. So either way, you're going to lose your life. You get to choose if you lose it now or later. But the consequence of losing it later means you lost it for eternity. So either you're going to give up the things that you love to do now that are sinful... It's just me. Okay, well, just me is going to cost you. I'm just being myself. Well, being yourself is going to cost you when the call is for you to put off yourself and to put on Christ. I'm going to keep going. Am I teaching today? Because I preached on Wednesday night at Trinity. I preached myself into, I thought I was going to pass out. I preached Friday night in Brooklyn. In minute, oh, you see, some of y'all don't, don't even know. Y'all wasn't even there. See, look at that. So today I'm teaching. I got to calm down. He said, I tell you on that night, this is verse 34, when Messiah comes again, listen to this. 
there will be two sleeping in one bed. The one non-believer will be taken away in the judgment and the other, the believer, will be left. There will be two women grinding at the mill together. This is you and your homegirl. The one non-believer will be taken away in judgment and the other believer will be left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. And they asked him, where, Lord? And he answered, where the corpse is, there the vultures will be gathered. This is a clarion call to the kingdom of God to recognize why you're here. The subject is the kingdom within. Say the kingdom within. Keep going. I'm almost done. I'm watching the clock. The kingdom within. When Jesus said the kingdom is not coming with observation, but the kingdom is within you, he's talking about the realm of God's sovereignty. Somebody say Jesus is Lord. But it's not Jesus is Lord in the context that you think. Because when you say Jesus is Lord, you're talking about him being Lord by your permission. You're talking about him being Lord when you choose to make him Lord. When you choose to obey, when you choose to follow, when you choose to do what you're supposed to do. But the reality is, and what the kingdom message espouses, is that he is actually Lord. There is a realm of his sovereignty. There is a realm of his power. There is a realm of his majesty. And beloved, he is telling us that that realm is on the inside of every single one of us. It is the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. So you ask, well, what does it mean the kingdom is within me? It means the literal manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. That means that the ordinances, the governance, and the culture of the kingdom of God has to be manifested through you. So what is this whole object of your salvation? It is for you to recognize that you have, as I said last week, you've been predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Somebody say, I've been predestined to be conformed. That's a process of change. Conformation means change. It's assimilation. Somebody say change. Somebody say change. That means your innate desire is not it. You have to change. It means what is intrinsic to you, what is natural to you, has to change. Say change. Am I teaching? Okay. Your regular drive and impulse is not the image. You have to be conformed into that likeness and image. Somebody say change. Right. The kingdom in you means that the culture of the kingdom of God, you have to become a conduit for the culture. So what is the culture of the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit is what the scripture says. It means that you're supposed to be emanating the very life of Christ in every instance of your existence. Every conversation, every thought. Are y'all hearing it? You are a conduit and an expression of the invisible kingdom and God's intention is that you're going to show the world what that kingdom is supposed to be like. So anybody that connects with you is supposed to understand what it feels like to live in God's world. That means you behind schedule if you're still cussing everybody out. Because what they were supposed to experience from you was the love and the peace of God. Believers, I gotta, 
you're behind schedule if you still getting called into the office because you're stealing money out of the register. You're still lying on your timesheet on a written warning. You're behind schedule because what your boss should be experiencing every time you walk in the building is the presence of God. What your client should be experiencing is not you violating the protocols of how you're supposed to take care of them. You can't be punching the clients in the face. Talking about, and you better not tell. I'm not going to tell. Right? What the client should be experiencing is the power of God to heal and restore them because they should be saying nobody that has ever taken care of me has been like you I feel at peace when you come and pick me up I feel love when you come and pick me up when Jesus called the ecclesia into being I'm done I'm paying attention when, the, when he called the ecclesia into being he said you are the called out ones. I'm calling you out of the world system. Watch this. Y'all gonna get mad? I'm gonna say it anyway because I got the mic. He said, I'm calling you out of the religious system. You gotta realize that he was talking to the religious elite. These are people who don't put meat and dairy on the same plate. They were so religious that they didn't even recognize that God had come to them. That's, they were so wrapped up in religious duty that God appeared to them and they didn't even recognize it. Just like church people today. You're so busy trying to cuss me out for what you think I'm doing and you actually going to hell and I'm going to make it in. Because I got enough sense to get on the altar and ask God to forgive me. Well, isn't that what the scripture said? The publican said he came to the altar and the church man was looking at him judging saying, God, I'm glad I'm not like him. I fast three times a week. I give all my money to the poor. And the other man wouldn't even lift up his head. He said, Lord, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that one left justified. The other one left condemned. See, I got enough sense to say, God, forgive me. I don't know why that's still tripping people up. I got enough sense to say I messed up. And I'm going to say it again before I die. Y'all not going to tell the truth. I know y'all perfect. It's all right. It's all right. Help us get perfected. Write a book on perfection. What the world has to experience through the ecclesia is the fact that there is a kingdom inside of you and the intention is that you're the called out ones that have a governmental system in you that is meant to displace the failing system where he sends you. Biden's not going to do it for us, beloved. I don't want to preach political because all the preachers are preaching real political right now. But can I tell y'all a secret that's going to make some of y'all mad? Do you know that when it was time, because you know I'm studying all of this, I'm taking two classes. One is black radical thought, the other one is race, ethnicity, and racism. So I'm going real deep into the consciousness of blackness in America. Do you know that it was the Republican Party that wanted to end slavery? Do you know it was the Republicans that said, give the Africans a little piece of land and let them go on their way and build 
economy and commerce and, and supply their own needs. Do you know it was the Democrats who said, no, keep them enslaved? I'll wait. You know, the Republican Party usually wants to get rid of a lot of social services stuff and they want the budget to go to other things like entrepreneurial uh, exploits and all of that. You know what the Democrats say? Keep them on food stamps in the state. Sounds like modern day slavery. Because if you're gonna get this benefit, you can't make more than this. If you're gonna get cash, you can't have another income in your house. So you gotta keep having kids, but the father can't be there. So let's get him out of the picture. So we can raise up a generation of people that have dysfunctional family. It's the, no, today, no, to, 2023, it's the democratic agenda that keeps us tied to those systems. Sounds like they still got us enslaved. I don't know about you, I'm not. The Republicans are not gonna do it, even though they will give us stipends. Y'all know y'all like that stipend. If you got one, you know you did. Guess who's not gonna give it to you? The Democrats. It's not gonna happen. Oh, Lord, help me. I sound real political, but I'm not, I promise. But the Republicans and the Democrats are not gonna help us. Our answer is that we have a king and a kingdom within. So how do we superimpose this kingdom on the failing system? Number one, we gotta come to church. This is our legislative assembly. When the saints gather, it's like a parliament meeting. And the Lord Jesus, as the head of the church, comes and sits among us, and he gives us, y'all gotta hear this, he gives us instruction and judgments and righteousness so that when we walk out of the parliament gathering, when we walk out of the legislative assembly, we now have information for how our kingdom has to move in the world. So we have people teaching us on finance because that system is not going to teach us how to prosper. It's going to make us dependent on them. And back in my day, they gave you a box of good cheese to keep you too. That was some good cheese. So not only do you get cash assistance and food stamps, and we had real stamps. Y'all remember the stamps that had different denominations? You had the book and you had to go get it. And you had to go stand in the bank like you was getting real money in the line you worked in the bank you had to give out you had to give out books of food stamp vouchers like it was money and people was lined up baby waiting to get their food stamps and they they going to get in that cheese line too that box remember the box it was like a cardboard box That system, listen, listen, y'all, and, and let, let me say this, because we are predominantly an ethnic group of people. That system is not going to benefit you or make you prosper. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So you got to come into the kingdom and get God's mind over your finances so you can recognize that he intended for you to be, watch this, an entrepreneur and to create generational wealth that the system can't touch. You can't.
can't approach God like a welfare recipient looking for a handout because he expects you to move in the earth like a sovereign. He expects you, come on, to move in the earth like a king because the kingdom is what? It's within. You're not looking outside. You're looking inside. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What am I called to do in the earth? Oh, you want me to become a real estate investor. Okay, how do I do that? I don't have any money. First, find the program where they will give you the money to do the work to do the real estate investing. I have a friend who is a millionaire. He is a literal millionaire. And he says, for I'm going to show you how I do it. The people pay me to do the investing. I just do all the legwork. These are very wealthy people. They don't have time for it. So I set up the, the, the deal. I go and I look at the property. I get the real estate agent. I do all the dealing. They give me the money. They flip the house. They turn it around. They get the pay. And then I get a big chunk of that. He's a millionaire. So what's your vision? He called you to be a real estate investor. Find out how to get somebody else's money to do it so you can become wealthy. He called you to build a business, a hairline, a cosmetic line, a clothing line. Y'all getting real quiet because you know what? It, calls, it requires work. You don't have to work to get the, the welfare. We've been conditioned to not work. You got to work it. But you got to work it because it's yours, not because it belongs to another man. You displace that kingdom by tapping into the resource of the kingdom that's in you, the wealth of the kingdom that's in you, the power of the kingdom that's in you. How does that work? Well, as you're going to fulfill your calling, there's opposition. What do you do? You go into prayer. Because you got a king inside of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind that up and move it out of the way. Next thing you know, it opens up. Why? Because the kingdom is within. You're not subjected to this thing, this world, this system. You got to know who you are. Something else I'm supposed to say. Got to go. The assignment for the believer, the kingdom citizens, is to colonize the earth by manifesting the kingdom wherever you are and in every situation. What does it mean to colonize? If you understand, and let me, let me tell you another piece about it. Let me tell, can I tell you another piece? Oh, Jesus, they're gonna get so mad at me because this is Black History Month. We in here, and we went even further than black history. We went African. This is Nigerian, that's Liberian. We, I mean, we went all the way back. The problem with the civil rights movement, y'all want to know? The problem with the civil rights movement was an idea came primarily through Dr. King. We respect him and his legacy and his wife and his children and all they've done in the world. An idea came that we needed to integrate. So they begin to say, look at the white people. We want what they have. We want to be where they are. We want to do what they're doing. We want to get in the middle of what they possess. The problem was, and I just watched this, and I just learned this because I'm studying it. There was a, a man in Mississippi who was being interviewed, and he heard about 
the bus boycott. And he got word in Mississippi, we're boycotting the buses because Rosa Parks and, you know, she sat down and we tired and we want to sit down. And so we want to integrate and we want to be on the white buses. He said, we don't have no white buses. He said, we own our own buses. So the problem that you're facing with integration here, we own all of our own stuff. We don't want anything that doesn't belong to us. What the civil rights movement did was create an anger and a rage in the black race to make them feel they had been slighted instead of them listening to the voices that were sent to deliver them that would have empowered them to do it themselves. The whole civil rights movement was never about you being free as a people. It was about you fighting to get what didn't even belong to you. Yes, we needed to vote, got that. But we don't need to sit in your restaurant. We can create our own. Yes, we need transportation, but we don't need to be on your bus. We got a bus. And if we ain't got a bus, we got a van until we can afford a bus. If enough of us ride this van, we gonna buy a bus. That's how they were thinking until the civil rights movement came. They want us to feel it's an agenda. Talk about the Tulsa race riots, 1921, somewhere around there. They never told us it was completely rebuilt by 1924. They still don't. Everything that they lost, they restored it. We don't hear that story. So it's to infuriate us with the false narrative. Listen, y'all, it's an agenda. It's meant to enslave. It's meant to make you go outside and get shot by the police. Because you have misplaced anger. You have misplaced rage. That system is not your system when you're in the kingdom. When you're in the kingdom, God's system is your system. And he will give you power to get wealth. He will give you power to do whatever he has called you to do. He will give you power to do whatever he's anointed you to do. You don't have to look to nobody else to give you a handout, to be accepting of you. As a matter of fact, it's better when they don't accept you because then you get riled up enough to be successful in spite of them. Damn, I don't mean white people. I mean anybody that opposes you. Stop diminishing, I'm done. Stop diminishing who you are trying to assimilate to a system that wasn't even designed for you. God's system trumps all of this other stuff. Your call is to superimpose, somebody's mic is on, is to superimpose the system of God's government on this failing system. Last thing, this is where healing and deliverance comes into play because wherever the kingdom of darkness is your assignment is to interject the kingdom of light that means you are supposed to make every area of your life mirror and reflect God's world there's no sickness in his world there, there's no demons in his world there's no oppression and depression in his world and so as a conduit of the kingdom of God that's within you, wherever you go, this is what it means to colonize. You have to make the area look like the kingdom that you were sent from. That's what they did. They came over here. 
What'd they do? They left England and made New England. They left where they were and began to make the place where they colonized look like the country or the kingdom they came from. So as a citizen of the kingdom of God, your assignment is to make this world, everything you touch, look like his kingdom. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, healing, prosperity, deliverance, revelation, knowledge, power, empowerment, ability, productivity. These are the things that are connected to his kingdom. Dominion, rulership, governance, sovereignty, power, authority. You can't be a kingdom citizen and be walking around like you on welfare in God's kingdom. You can't be a spiritual crackhead. Talking about I'm in the kingdom. I get a fix. Ain't got no teeth. In the spirit. I mean in the spirit. You look great outside, but in the spirit, you look like trying to get a hit from Jesus instead of recognizing that you're called to rulership. Come on, y'all, hear it. You're called to rulership. You're called to dominion, and it's in you. And all of the earth, the Bible says that the earth is in travail. It's in groaning waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. This creation knows that you're the answer. The creation knows that you're the one with the power and it's waiting for you to show up and say the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. Why? Not because Jesus is coming back, but because you showed up. Because he shows up in you. The kingdom has come. You got to be healed because the kingdom has come. You got to be delivered because the kingdom has come. I am authorized to make everything in this room look like God's kingdom. Stand to your feet. It's the message of the kingdom that has to be preached to all of the world before the end comes. It's not the message of salvation. It's the message of the kingdom that's going to bring the king back and enthrone him. Lift your hands up. The Lord's touching you now. He's touching you now because everything in your life has to come into alignment with the kingdom. Everything in your body, everything in your mind, I mean on an atomic and molecular level, the light of this word is going into your being. It is going into your body. It is going into your bloodstream. It is going into your organs. This word of the kingdom is piercing the darkness in your life. It's breaking the limitations off of your mind. It's breaking the fear of death. Those of you that keep thinking you're going to die, stop thinking it and keep breathing. This word is breaking death off of your mind so that you can live. What does it look like to live? It looks like fulfilling your purpose. What are you called to do? What are you born to do? What are you gifted and talented to do? That's your assignment in the kingdom. God, I give you praise. Come on, worship him. Just worship him. We're about to go. Just worship him. God, we give you glory for this message of the glorious, triumphant kingdom of Jesus Christ. We are the citizens of the kingdom, the ambassadors of the kingdom, the diplomats of the kingdom. We are the functionaries of the kingdom. We're the governors of the kingdom. 
I command healing to show up in your body. I command it right now. In Jesus' name, I command it. Where you're sick, I command healing to show up. I command it in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, receive your healing right now by faith. Just believe I'm being healed right now. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. I command it. I command it to manifest in your joints, in your limbs, in your bloodstream, in your cells. Let the light of God flow. Let the light of God flow. The Bible says he himself took our sicknesses and our disease. He took them. He took them so you don't have to bear them. Come on, I want you to choose right now to receive it. Receive healing of generational illnesses, things that's in your family. Receive it. The lady said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. If I could just get through this crowd and touch him, I'll be healed. Touch him right there with your praise. Touch him with your worship. Touch him. You should feel life coming into your being. You should feel strength. You should feel empowerment. You should feel grace. You should feel the ability to rise above the storm that you're in right now. The ability to rise out of the valley of despair that you've been in. The ability to soar. The ability to soar. Come on, I feel him lifting us. The ability to soar into high places. God will fulfill the assignment. You can trust us. We have the capacity because you gave it to us. We have the willingness and the yieldedness to go all the way with your plan. We're kingdom agents. Before I let you go, there's someone here that needs to give their life to the Lord. What does that mean? What does that language mean? This is a Christian church. So we believe the Bible. I say the Bible. We actually believe the Bible. The Bible lets us know that although mankind was created in the likeness and image of God, the man that the Lord had put on the earth to be the governor and the magistrate over everything that he had created, Adam, in the garden, he failed. He failed in his assignment. He lost his jurisdiction because Satan, who had already fallen from heaven, came and tricked him. He wanted to get his stuff. He wanted his seat. He wanted his influence. And, and bigger than that, you know what Satan really wanted? He wanted life. He wanted life. He wanted life. Ezekiel 28 says that God destroyed Satan. This is all before the planet was populated. He said, I destroyed you, O covering cherub. In Ezekiel 28, the word for destroyed in the Hebrew is abad, which literally means to kill with death. So Satan's intention in getting into the garden, getting to Adam and Eve, was an attempt to get back to that tree of life. I taught y'all that in Natsar yesterday. He wanted to get back into the tree of life. So he had to get Adam to let him in, to give him access into his realm. See, when they fell from their place, the Bible says that they were chained in the realm called darkness for eternity until the judgment. 
So Satan from the realm of darkness as the serpent spoke to those who were in light trying to get back in to light. Adam gave up his jurisdiction. He gave up his seat. He deceived him. Ate the apple. Fell out of alignment with God. And because of that, sin into the world, death into the world, and there was a gap between God and his creation. Because God is omniscient, say omniscient, that meant he already knew what was going to happen. He agreed to be the sacrifice to buy us back from that fall. He knew Adam was going to mess it up. He knew Adam was going to mess it up. So before he created Adam, he created Adam's deliverance. Before he created Adam, he created his salvation. This is why you cannot get tripped up when you go through hell because before hell could come knocking on your door, God had already made a way of escape. Yeah. The Lord Jesus agreed to be the lamb slain, shed his blood, because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness.